0: Welcome into this Five Clubs Conversation, Open Championship Week. Now normally, it'd be him driving this show and it'd be his show, uh, but I kind of forced my way into this show with Gil Hance. And Gil, as you know, is a regular contributor here at Five Clubs, and he has had some great guests this year to talk about the major championship venues. Uh, This one I know is close to his heart, it's close to mine too, and to talk with him about a place that he absolutely adores. I'm looking forward to this, and I think you're thoroughly going to enjoy Gil Hance's insights on the old course at St. Andrews. that we welcome in the host who's not in the host chair uh that of course Gil hance how are you my friend
1: i'm doing great you're a much better host than i am so i'm always happy that when we do these things they're a lot of fun
0: well this one's particularly fun because you know look you and i can nerd out about certain things in golf and and you more so obviously uh when it comes to your line of work but there's an affection associated with where the world of golf is this week um, and the old course, it conjures up a lot of things, including memories. And, and I, I, I remember asking you a specific question that I'm going to ask again in a moment, but I want to ask you the first time you walked or were there, when was it?
1: Uh, it was August of 1987 and it was, uh, Tracy and I had flown. I'd actually spent the entire summer working for Tom Doak on his first golf course at High Point. And uh, we left, but mid-August uh, for me to go and for the William Frederick Dreyer Award, which I had won from at Cornell. And we flew over. I think we were on some really cheap charter flight into Luton Airport. Uh, we couldn't even fly into Heathrow. <laughs> and um, we get we rented a car and we drove up. Literally, I think we landed at like 5.30 in the morning. We drove up to St. Andrews and we got there, I would say, probably four-ish in the afternoon. It's still summer, so there was still a lot of light left. And we parked the car and I walked out and I just, you know, obviously was in awe of what I was seeing and so excited. And so the the starter's hut was right there by the first tee. And there was nobody around and, and on the golf course. But I saw the starter in there and I went in and I said, you know, First time here, I'm so excited. You know, how do I arrange to play? And he looked me right in the eye and he said, "Give you your clubs." And I said, "Yeah, they're in the car." He said, "Well, go get them and you can play." And I thought, "Oh my God! You know, this what an incredible opportunity!" And I went over to play, and he said, "Nah, on you go. Just go." Because I think he could tell how enthused and genuinely excited I was, and I was completely jet lagged and. You know, overnight flight, eight hours and eight and a half hours in the car, whatever it took, but it was just the most amazing introduction to the most amazing golf course. Just that, you know, how how wonderful. I don't think you can do that anymore. I don't think the starters are allowed to have that kind of discretion at this point in time. And then conversely, I think that was probably a Friday, so two days later, it was Sunday and the course was closed. So it was a lovely day, and I go out to take notes. I've got all, you know, this is well before computers and iPads and all that. So I've got these lovely hand-drawn bunker shapes and I'm out there mapping the golf course and I'm drawing these images and trying and I'm pacing off the bunkers. I'm going lengthwise and, and getting scale and all those things. And I'm so proud of myself that I'm out here doing this. And after about three holes, this gentleman comes over and he goes, you're going to rake those bunkers. And I'm like, uh, well, the course is closed and tomorrow, you know, they'll probably rake them before play. And he said, no, no, you need to go and rake all those bunkers. So it was an introduction to the Scots. who are very obviously very abrupt and very matter of fact with the way they speak. And I just felt hard. I felt so stupid. Yeah, I just really, and I went back and I raked every single bunker that I had walked and faced side by side. So I've had this amazing welcome to the old course. And then I got this amazing uh, lecture on uh, respecting the old course um, and, and taking care of it. And so it was, uh, you yeah, know, it was, it was, you know, to become my favorite place in the world to play golf and to have those kinds of introductions, you know, some things I'll obviously never forget.
0: You know, I, the first time and the only time I played Augusta National was in December of 2012. And when I ever share the experience, I talk about how, how emotional it made me. And the first time I played the old course was September of 1995 with my dad. And it was it was similar but different, and the similarity was I was very emotional. Um, it 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 just got to me in ways that that I hadn't I hadn't planned on it, I hadn't thought about it, um, and and I think they're the two places that that, that get to people, um, and and one is is so public that it's it's the world's most famous dog park on a Sunday, as you pointed out, and the other is is kind of like Oz. You know, um, but yet they they do the same things to you. Um, does Augusta get you emotional like like the old course does?
1: Augusta, no. Uh, I, I'm, I'm obviously every time I get invited to play there, which is an amazing opportunity. I understand and I respect, and it's it's one of the greatest golf experiences you can ever have because you're walking in the footsteps of all these amazing things that have happened in the world of golf and they're fresh in your mind and in your memory but I think there's something about you know you're dealing with modern history versus ancient history yeah. right and you're dealing with you know the the fountainhead of what I get to do for a living and so and you know we we talked about a few months ago how Augusta National was inspired by the old course and you know, Mackenzie and Jones really looked to that for a lot of the principles of what they put into Augusta. So I think as a result, uh, while an invitation to Augusta is cherished and any moment you get to spend there is, is magic, there's just something more emotional in my mind um, about the old course because of the relevance it has to what we do. And, and I think, you know, the way that the Jim and I appreciate and understand, and love that course.
0: Uh, When you were getting ready to embark on uh, the black course, it's dream song uh, you and I sat down together in the clubhouse and one of the questions I asked you was if I if I put you on the first tee anywhere and said I want you to walk all 18 holes of said golf course uh, because you'll learn the most about what you do from it without hesitation you said the old course. I'm going to ask you the the, the follow up uh, to the answer why.
1: Because you see so much that, you no, know, I think that the, the golf architecture is is so much art and it's so much architecture and there the blending of the two is is just, is, is perfect. There's the hard edges of the town, there's the buildings, there's everything that, that greets you when you tee off and then greets you as you come in. And then from there you leave a, a a setting that's unlike most any other place I've ever seen, and especially with the, the way the town embraces and loves. And the you know the world's most famous clubhouse is right over your shoulder as you're doing this. And, and you've got people watching you. So you've got the pressure of you know actually the world's widest fairway. Um but you you know you're still holding your breath that you're gonna hit it. And and so all of these emotions that are tied up in the setting for how you start and finish are are evident. And then you Work your way out into this landscape that's untamed, raw in many aspects of it. And while it works from an architectural perspective, it was never—it didn't spring from the mind of of a person. It just sprung from nature. It sprung from how people traversed that particular piece of land and how it ultimately, you know, all right, this is the best place for a green. The bunkers were just carved. You know, we don't want to get into all that stuff. But the the randomness of nature is something that man just can't create, right? Our, our brains are always working to provide to either restore or provide order to something. And when you have something that's so utterly natural in itself, and the fact that then how it how it works, and how it's thoughtful in the ways you can play it and approach it and strategic and interesting and changes on day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, <laughs> how each golf hole plays. And I think, you know, this is a bit of a trite response because I think it's it's certainly not original to me, but it's it's the one where you say you can play the old course your whole life and never play the same shot in the same conditions twice because the vagaries of how things bounce and move and change and the way the wind blows and the rain, et cetera, I think there's just so much of that that help is helpful to anyone trying to learn and appreciate and understand that, and the golf courses are a journey and that journey is as special as anyone. And the fact, you know, obviously we, we all revere the the fact that every golfer who's ever been great at this game has walked those fairways and Mm. has crossed that bridge and, and we see it and we know it's the home of golf and and all of those things but just from a purely architectural standpoint that journey through that landscape is unlike anything else i think we i i've ever seen or witnessed
0: you know one of the things that i know you do when you do a restoration you really dig in on trying to understand the, the vision uh, of the person who had the the original commission, and these are these are the titans of of the golden age of architecture, the people I'm talking about. And there, it's not; it wasn't as you just alluded to. It's not the mind of the man. Um, so, what is the overarching design feature of the Old Course?
1: Hmm. That's a great question because I, I, what I love about it is the variety and the the different options and ways to play shots they're just depending on how you play your skill set your the desire the way you want to hit a golf shot um the way the golf course is asking you to hit that golf shot i think there are just so many they're infinite possibilities and ways to do things and i think that in my mind is is what's so fascinating about it is that you know, I, I think about the, the approach to, to six and just how that green just kind of ramps up and there's that valley you can bump a ball through there and, and you just can, or if the wind's in your face, you can throw it up in the air and you've got, you know, but there's just so many options and I think that you know, great architecture, great golf architecture, provides the players options and variety and I think the old course does that better than just about anywhere else. So from a pure design, what do I see when I look at it? That would be the strongest suit i think you know obviously the double greens are exciting and interesting i mean there's all the features within the golf course that are that are phenomenal but it's in my mind is the options and and the the ability to attack it in so many different ways that, and not any one way is the correct way and think about that i mean that's fascinating you know we as architects try and lay out golf holes to say hey if you hit it over here close to this bunker it's going to open up an angle that you're going to play into the shot into this and dot, 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 dot. And so there's not really one right way, but there's the thoughtful way to approach a golf hole and you can hit different shots in order to get there. But at at the old course, it's just, you've got just so many different ways to play it. And, you know, to talk to the locals and, you know, they stand on, you know, 14 and they say, you know, the best way to the second shot, the best way to play it is to hit it over into five, you know, over and hit it way over left because you get a better look at it. And then there are other people, no, no, just hit it to the end of, you know, and then play straight in and no, 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 carry hell bunker. And, you know, that's a better up. And it's just, none of those is right. And, but all of them work at some certain level. And I think that, that those options and opportunities are, are, are things that we all strive to create in a golf course, but we're not always successful.
0: You know um, you told me this and you, 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 you know, you always reaffirm the importance of, you know, the, the, the superintendent and the agronomics of, of, of a golf course. And you're, the, the golf course is only as good as, as the people who maintain it. Um, the turf there, um, mm-hmm. I don't think it gets talked about enough, Gil. I mean, I, I, I get it. And, and why wouldn't you just get wrapped up in this old gray town and, and, and all of it? But the ground is, it's It's everything. Uh, explain yeah. why it is it it's this perfect blend of of all the things that you need to create this this turf condition that's perfection
1: yeah I think I don't know how else to describe it but when you play the old course the ground is alive right I mean it is it's alive it's it's a the ball hits and reacts and goes in different ways. And, and 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 so much of that, again, we keep talking about nature and nature design, et cetera. And, but it's, it's the way if it's wet, it's going to play a certain way. The ball's going to skid more than it's going to bounce. And when it's dry, it's going to bounce and fly and move. And it's, I don't know if there's anything to the you know the fact that it's been tended and taken care of for centuries and that there's a certain density between the turf and the sandy subsoil that, somehow gives it this spring like effect it's just different but it is it, it is and you you would think a golf course that's played i don't know how many rounds a year they do there but it's significant you know we just get beat nothing about 80,000 about
0: 80,000 yeah, yeah. you
1: would think it would be tired and worn out and just yeah. but that somehow the, the 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 team there knows how to regenerate that turf and knows how to basically get the most out of that soil and, it, and it's just care and it's it's on and on from the, you know, the different superintendents who've been there, they've, they've almost, I wonder if there's like some special, almost feels like probably there's a Hogwarts ceremony. You know, when you, when you go from here to here, they, there's this thing and, and then they whisper in your ear or they give the wand and they put the, the magic thing in your ear and all of a sudden you understand there's this uh, code of how you take care of that turf. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if something like that happened. Um, but it's really it's just special. It's it's unlike you said. It's unlike anywhere else. I mean, links turf is fantastic, and it can be obviously um, produced and, and taken care of and, and presented in a way where. But there's just something, and I think part of it is that there's so many rolls and rumples mm. and humps and bumps. I, I've like, Robert Hunter in the links. Yes. he described golf course the best terrain is is a corrugated landscape and I've always loved that phrase you know a corrugated landscape and you know the old course has got these this corrugations where it's just rumples and flows and humps and bumps and smaller scale contours but just continual wave upon wave you know another great description of lynx courses is the terrain feels like the ocean from which it came you know it's just you've got these beautiful waves and rumples and I think Something about the turf and the density and the beauty of those contours, and then the seamless flow right up into the greens and the putting surfaces. It's just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how they they ultimately put it all together, but when it, it always seems to to, to to work.
0: The um the the challenge of challenging the the best. It's now 2022, and we've seen. A lot of places, but but that place, and because people have such an affinity for it, they don't want it to ever be rendered anything but what it is, which is invaluable. If it doesn't blow, what could possibly happen?
1: Well, I think, I can't remember what Zach Johnson's, was he 15 or 16 under? Yes. Something like that to win. So that's probably, it's going to probably be somewhere between 15 and 22, 23 under, and that's that's not a knock on the golf course. I mean, that's just the fact that links golf requires elements as part of the challenge. And if the elements aren't there, there you know, there's no wind, there's no rain, things like that don't happen. Then I think you're ultimately. It's not that the golf course is defenseless. It's just that these guys are so good that you know they need these. I mean, we saw it at, at Southern Hills. We had Mother Nature was a great part of the defense of that golf Big course. Big if it had been kind of moist and wet in the golf course and the wind hadn't blown those guys, they wouldn't be shooting five, six under, they would have shot more than that. So I think it's ultimately going to, that's just part of any examination. What I hope doesn't ever become part of the narrative is that the game has passed that golf course by because then that would truly be sad. Um, So I I don't think that will be the case. I would expect, although everything I'm hearing is that it's pretty dry over there and it's been dry. And so the course will be very bouncy. So, you know, are we going to see something like like Tiger, you know, avoiding but – you've got to avoid bunkers. And if it's bouncy, you know, guard guys. It'll be interesting whether the guys just decide to just bomb it or if they're going to lay back and try and opt for more control, which will then effectively lengthen the golf course, which will be shortened not only because of the firmness but lack of wind. So I think it's going to be one of those – I mean, I can't wait to watch. Obviously, it's it's the major championship. You just, you, you always, you know, it used to be every five years. Hopefully, it'll continue to be every five years. They go to the Open. I know COVID intervened, uh, and I think they were staggering to try and get the 150th. Yes. So, it's been, you know, it's now been seven years, which is just a little bit of a long gap for them. So, I think it's one of those things where hopefully that conversation doesn't ever occur, that, you know, the old course is obsolete. You know, that
0: would be sad. no no question um with with tiger everyone said well you know th- the great thing about the old course is that it's flat um and and i always got i, I want to say no it isn't um i i understand that when you're standing on one you can see really far but that walk in between may be one of the most awkward walks <laughs> you've ever had if you just yeah. if you just look straight ahead and it gets back to what you were saying about about what Robert Hunter had had written about, and and I love what he has always said about contour. There is no place like there in terms of the kind of shots that are being asked to be struck, and not because of wind and the direction and how it might change, but the way the ball is in relation to where you're trying to play it because of the contour on on the golf course. So it's anything but flat.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's it's flat. If you took sort of overall elevation change, right? It, it's pretty flat, but it's you're right. You're going to go up and down and you're going to be moving constantly. And I don't know whether, you know, long, gradual uphills like Augusta um, or like Southern Hills are easier on Tiger's leg or these little abrupt ups and bumps and humps and constantly changing. And, you know, having to watch where you're walking, I could imagine that's going to be. That's going to be a, a bit, but obviously he'll be, he's, he's prepared. He knows that golf course is well, well better than anybody in the field. And so I think he'll, he understands what it is, but you're right. It's definitely not flat.
0: The, um, the loop, uh, the last time I played the golf course, I did something I hadn't done the previous five times. Uh, and that was start on 10, uh, which was, it was different. Um, and what, what in particular about the loop uh, is most interesting to you? Well, one of
1: the, you know, I was trying to think. Of what are the, the, you know, you, the flaws of of the old course? And we can maybe talk about that later. But I mean, you start here, you come into it with a par three on eight, and then you know you've got obviously back to back short fours, and, and then predicated on the fact that the wind's going to hopefully be in your face on one of them and downwind on the other, or a crossing wind, and you've got to deal with that on those two. And then you exit the loop on a on another par three, and so I think it's. It's an interesting reversal in the way that it comes around. It I wouldn't say that either nine or ten are my favorite golf holes out there, um, but it's you know when you talk about a pace of a golf course, I think the players understand that hey they've got a they've got a score there right they've mm-hmm. got to make take advantage of nine and ten. And I think, you know, in particular, nine green is is subtle, but it's pretty flat and it's massive. And so I think if you can, you know, those guys, most of them could probably, probably hit three wood on it. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, you've got to hit a good putt there. And then 10 is the, you know, 10's got a lot of bump, ups and bumps and in the approach and a bunker and green that wraps around and is, you know, obviously shared with number eight. So I think it's one of those things where it's really a, a beautiful convergence as that sets up but it's of the of the entire piece of property out there it's not my favorite part of the, of the, of the golf course but i understand its importance as far as uh, you know getting those guys who got a score there
0: the um the, the hole that you mentioned that that you come out of the loop and 11 um there were some modifications Ex- explain to me as best you can or in detail as far as what was done to that green and and in the last 10 15 years um, and I anything that's ever done anytime that the golf course is touched people you know throw up their hands um, you what what did they change to to the green on eleven and what is it about that hole that when I stand on that tee I think this this is as good i I think it's magnificent <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think, you know, and obviously the Eden hole has been copied over and over again as yep. part of, you know, Dollar Rainer with the template holes. So it's, it's, a, it's a keeper for sure. My understanding of what they did was they, they leveled a little more of a level spot along the left-hand side along Hill Bunker, mm-hmm. which would provide the opportunity to put some hole locations over there, which would be more consistent with the original when the greens were rolling slower there were whole locations over there and so i think it makes that area part of the golf course much more useful. my understanding is that when kem river was 2010 when New Stays and one yes. was we're blowing off the green there yes. and they were just cuz you're 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 at your most exposed you're right on the eden estuary green sits high up in the air i mean the wind if it's blowing hard which obviously was then and can do there's no no stopping right? I mean, it's not like you're down in a hollow or can shelter from it. So you're right. While everything that is done to that golf course is appropriately, should be appropriately scrutinized. I think the, the intention of it was really well thought out. And I believe the execution was really, was done well also. So I think it's it's one of those things where, yes, we, we, we'd we hate to put fingerprints on that golf course, but I think given the, the exposed nature of that green and the fact that you know, I haven't done the research, but I'm fairly certain that there were whole locations over there at one point in time. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I've, I'm on record of saying, you know, I really think it's you, you modify green speeds instead of modifying architecture. But in that particular instance, because you're so exposed and because of the, the severity of the slope over there, I can understand why they, they chose to take that course.
0: The. Um you know, the the first hole I was saying in the open, you know, it, it's 127 yards across as it shares that fairway with the 18th. But there's something that it, it you feel like you're walking down a corridor. You, you there's, you, I don't know, you I, I, st- I stood taller. I, there's something that gives you a bounce on, on what would appear to be and does as innocuous an opening hole as you could, you could have, but to me, Gil, the closer you get to the burn, the more you start to like get, I, I've, I've always like gotten pulled in, like you hit your tee shot, and then you start walking, and it's like, oh my God, and then you get to your second, and you probably have a short iron in your hand, and, and even if the pin is back, I don't know, the burn is, I, the whole thing, it's like, once you hit your second shot, it's like you're sucked into the vortex of the whole experience.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, as I said earlier, it's, aside from maybe the tee shot at Marion, you know, the most <laughs> nerve, nerve-wracking <laughs> tee shot you can ever hit. You know, you, you're Marion, you're, everybody's eating and clattering plates, and and all of a sudden, you notice when you're getting ready to hit, it goes dead silent. And, the you know, same thing, there's all these people milling and mulling about and moving around, and then you get to go up on the tee, and all of a sudden, it's just quiet, and you know... That everybody's watching you, you hit that that shot. So it's one of those things where, you know, you got you got, and you know, I'm obviously a really good golfer, is, doesn't worry that much about it. But right. if you're the average golfer like me, it's it's nerve wracking. But you know, you want to get it down there so that you're not having to hit something long and you know, carry that thing, carry the burn and then have it try and stop on the green. So you're, you're pushing, pushing, pushing further down. And as you said, you get kind of drawn into that, that vortex to get a better option. You know, I, a lot of players just say, aim at the bridge, you know, aim at Spoker bridge and just come in from over there. And I think that's probably a, a good rest your nerves type line where you can actually, you know, just kind of hit it at that in that direction and try, hopefully not have too much danger out there. And then, you know, it's a, it's just, it's a, fairly unless you get to the back sides of it and they knock you a screen it's just kind of flattish, tilted at you etc but that i don't know how many paces across that burn is but it, it it grabs your attention although i've seen a lot of balls bounce and skip across it so it's one of those i may have even hit one or two that have done that <laughs> so you, you can get away with it um you know occasionally but yeah it's 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 a simple it's so simple in its presentation the right? um you oh, yeah, you know, big, 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 you know, big area hit it into very small creek run across fairly benign green. Here you go. And, and you know, and it, it somehow somehow still makes quite a bit of a challenge to to a golf hole.
0: You know, one of the things that that you've done to a lot of places that you've restored is 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 return the presentation the way it was uh, upon its creation or as close to it. And and with the old course, some of the bunkering it was rugged, it was raggedy. Um, like if you look at like if you look at the road hole bunker uh, from oh I don't know hundred years ago, it wasn't this pristine, revetted face looking thing. It just wasn't. Um, is is how, how do you feel about the, the? I mean, it just it looks the facings are awesome, but it would, would it be better if they were just unkept?
1: I mean, aesthetically, in my opinion, yes. But we also, I mean, it's it's a, it's a similar question that we hear, you know, Pebble Beach. You see those those photos yes. of, of number seven when it looked, you know, it was kind of these raid but you have to also understand that it's a business, right? They need to move people through that golf course. And if it was unkempt and End of being balls getting lost in the faces of bunkers or, you know, barrowing, you know, being hidden. I think there has to be some sort of balance there. And the evolution of the revetted bunker and the stack saw and the way that whole thing comes about, it is just, it has evolved across the board. I mean, Jim and I and Mark Parson and attempted at, at Castle Stewart to build some more of those old raggedy style bunkers that you see in Horace Hutchinson's book about, of the lengths. Um, But I just don't know that, I think that because the evolution is so pretty much complete from links course to links course to links course, I mean they all kind of evolved into this more cleaner edged stack sod look. I think it's probably appropriate for the old course that they've gone in that direction. And it's also, as I mentioned, probably helps to, to get players around the golf course in a, in a more reasonable fashion.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's let's go through when you when you turn, you play the loop and you start back in. Um, and you turn toward home, and you're standing on 12T. Take me through just some things in particular that stand out in your mind about those holes uh, from 12 on in. What about 12 is 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 memorable or noteworthy?
1: Uh, that you can't see any of the bunkers. Um, it's, At all. it's amazing.
0: That, yeah, I mean they're
1: and. In, in, talk to people who say well when the course was played in reverse they're all right there in front of you and so that that's just a feature of that hole which i think is brilliant i I love that you know you've got to basically pick and trust the line and you know every the old boys that i get to play there with occasionally they all just kind of hit it hit it down the right and kind of get it there's there's a little way down you can get over closer to the eden course that you'll avoid some of the bunkers but then it's also i just love the Sort of cackle. Nope, that's not good. And you think what? I just hit it right down the middle of the fairway, <laughs> and then you're stuck in it. And I, and I think that green uh, is is phenomenal. I mean, just that slender shelf and the way the you know the, the pins are set up there, and then you've got the fro- the roll offs, and you've got to be so precise. And if you're trying to come out of one of those fairway bunkers, it, it's an interesting. It's it's not. It's an unusual hole. But it's, it's a wonderful golf hole. It's not something that you, you see repeated very often, except for the green complex and you the concept of that. But it's just one of those things where I, I just architecturally I marvel at that, that golf hole in particular. And then you go from that, you know, shortish. Um, you know, certainly if it's downwind, the best players in the world are going to be, you know, flying all that stuff and getting it up. Although for, there's that one little kind of bunkery, that's that's not a lot of fun to be in uh, up in the approach there and then 13 is just hard right i mean it's just you know it's it's a hit it as far as you can and then you're kind of down and looking up and you've got all that broken ground rumbling through that you've got to play over uh to get into the green and the green itself is fantastic with the bunkers around it um it, it I, I know people say that's kind of where the old you know the where the real teeth of the golf course start, you kind of come in 13 is just certainly one of those golf holes. And then 14 is a par five for those guys. It's certainly going to be, you know, there's a scoring opportunity for them um, as you would expect, but it's, you know, one of the things about the old course that's just so amazing and, and cool in a way, is just, and it hasn't been really replicated anywhere else. And you would think so. I mean, maybe somewhere somebody's done it from a commercialization standpoint, but, all the names, right? You got, you're playing into the Elysian fields, you know, the biblical note of man, you, if you hit it into it, it's like you're in heaven and you got the beardies and then hell bunker pulpit. And why is that called pulpit? Cause you can see hell from there. And, you know, it's just all of these little quirky, cool um, stories that go with these features that, you know, you, there's nowhere else in the world of golf that I know of. I mean, maybe Prestwick's got a few of these things and the whole, yeah. they're more whole the whole names than feature names, you know, Cardinal bunker, but, but I think that that's such a cool feature. And obviously 14 has got a ton of those things you know, on it. It's got a lot of names. It's got uh, a and, and really interesting thought process as we talked about, you know, a lot of players can't get home in two are gonna play over, you know, far left over into five fairway to come into that green. Um, that knob that kind of forms the the base for the front right of the green all feeding into it, I think is really a, an interesting one because really you're kind of trying to hit your ball off of it because generally it'll just shoot it through the green and if you hit into the, the face of it it'll stop it so it's you know this is a par 5 trying to get home in 2 there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens out there 15 there we walked back to where the back tee is now I mean you're, mm. <laughs> you're so far back there um, you know of the finishing stretch in my mind probably the least memorable of, of the holes I mean a good golf hole yeah. nothing wrong with it. But, you know, again, you just it's, it's a challenging golf, especially with the additional length that you've got there. And then 16 has architecturally spawned so many, you know, with the, the principal's nose, the centerline bunker, uh, trying to squeeze it between the out-of-bounds and the bunker and the much better advantage from an angle perspective to go into that play away from it. Although the one thing I did notice when I was there in April is that, you know, there's not a lot of fairway, to the left of the bunker, bunker complex it's all rough over there so they've almost like somehow they've decided to just tell the you stay short of it or you have to go around the right side and then bring the out of bounds into trouble or go over it which for those guys is obviously a possibility so it was a, it was a change that i was a little perplexed by it just seemed like okay you know, this is one of the best architectural golf holes in the world, and it's inspiration for so many really good golf holes, and, and they, they really tightened it up, at least in my my memory and my eye, what I saw there. Um, beautiful green, and then 17, you know, what are you going to say about the road hole? It's just, you know, incredible golf hole, uh, unusual. <laughs> Again, like number 12, you're not where else are you going to see that, you know, we're playing over what were the old rail sheds and, you know, basically <laughs> trusting that you're going to hit it over this and, and shorten the golf hole uh, and then diabolical green complex, with the road over the back and the road hole bunker and just how slender it is and trying to get, a, I it's, I'm always interested to see how guys try to get, can get a ball over the road hole bunker and on that shelf and stay there with the length of shots they're hitting in there I guess that's why you want to shorten the golf hole by going over the corner. I mean, it, it it all makes sense, but it's presented in a way that nobody would have ever thought to present. it. I no. know we have templates that are road holes, but I mean that particular presentation is unbelievable.
0: No, it is. Uh, you know, I think sometimes with with things in life, you get romantic, and you and your objectivity may get compromised to some degree. Do we, with the amount of boundary that you deal with? on the on the holes coming home the fact that there is as much out of bounds uh, on the golf course on the closing stretch of holes and then the fact that you're hitting a golf shot you know over parts of a hotel uh to 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 try to play it in the fairway are we are we giving the golf course a break because of what it is
1: to a certain extent i think so i think there's certainly that that appreciation and tradition uh that, that comes into to factor but i don't think they're it was certainly not a bad golf hole. It's just a different, I mean, it's, it's the, the whole, you know, the thought, okay, all the troubles down the right, you know, the out of bounds, the hotel, the most of the bunkering. So you can play safely to the center of the golf course, but you're going to be faced with, with obviously more difficult approaches into the greens if you play it safe. So I think that given the opportunity, you know, in today's litigious society, there's no way you would ever try to, in a golf ball over a hotel. I mean, that just couldn't be possible, but because, you know, they decided there obviously it was a different structure there, but I think because it was always that way and because it makes perfect sense from a golfing perspective, shortening the golf hole, getting the best angle from the right side to, to try and get it, you know, around the road hole bunker and stay out of the road, it all makes perfect sense. And yeah, is it different? And could anybody try and do something like that right now? Probably not. Would they be criticized for trying to do something like that now? Yeah, I would expect that they would.
0: Yeah, eighteen. You know, this is not a new thing. Well, with, I,
1: I, I do yeah. have to so I go back to one. Yeah. One of my favorite stories. And, and did you ever meet Jim Finnegan, the great golf not, writer? Of no. All He was he was quite a character. You know, true gentleman and a lover of the old course like nobody. I mean, he he I don't know. He probably played a thousand thousands of times and just. Just love the golf course. And he was playing once with Graham Lenny, you know, the, the old golf professional from Crail. And and Jim had this just way, he was an advertising guy, and he just had this sense about him. And I'll I won't do him justice with his with his the way he spoke, but I'll try. And Graham hit it in the road hole bunker and then got it up and down out of the road hole bunker and made a four. And and Jim, looking at Graham on the 18th he said, You sir, have escaped from not the most feared bunker on this golf course, but perhaps the most feared bunker in all of golf. And he would just do this. (laughs) And that's the way he talked about, you know, the old course. It was always such this just great drama about it and just what an incredible love. So whenever I'm there, I I'm lucky that I frequently get to play it with Graham. Um, But we're always thinking about, about Jim Finnegan and how much he truly, truly loved that golf course.
0: Uh, 18, this is not new because of today's technology or the athlete in the game. I mean, Nicholas was blowing it over the 18th green uh, in the early 70s uh, on occasion. Um, why does 18 hold up? Why why does a 350-yard closing hole with no water and a 127-yard wide fairway, why does it hold up?
1: Valley of sin. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty tough hazard to get it's not a hazard, obviously, but to get through it right and with the right pace to get up there and not run through the back of the green and then you're standing on the back of the green looking at the valley of sin if you do run through there and if you hit it a little too hard, it's going to go back down in there. And I think, I think tiger play doesn't he always play out to the to the left like almost at the RNA clubhouse and try and come in from the side and yes. I think thats. Incredible. So now you've got this, you know again, like you said this innocuous looking golf hole, but obviously out of bounds, down the right-hand side, um, but I think it's just that, you know, Constantino Roca, John Daly, I mean, all these things happen with the valley of sin, and I think that's the equalizer, right, because you, you've got to negotiate that. You either have to negotiate it by taking it on or going over it, or you have to play, you play purposely, play away from it to play, you know, in from the side, so I think it's it's ultimately, yeah, it's, it's all about that valley of sin, and it has been you know, with Seve, with Jack, with Doug Sanders. I mean, all of those. It's, it's it's always been the part and parcel of what defends, what really defends that that all. The
0: the other thing, Gil, that I think is that, and I know because and, and you've shown it with with some of your work, particularly at O'Hupey, seventeen and eighteen to me are the great half pars. Um, seventeen is a four. You're, you're you know. It, the data will show you're probably picking up at least a half a shot in all likelihood on the field. Um, and, in 18, you feel like you need to make three. It's a, it's, it's four and a half, three and a half to me. And especially for the elite golfer. And I think that that, that to me is like, like Jordan speed didn't make, he didn't make three on 18 in, in 2015. He, he went five, four and, and yeah. he made it's essentially he, he, he needed, he needed the half shot on each hole to give him the shot to get in the playoff. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, you're right. And it, it's a great – and when we think about it, again, no man laid that out, right? So it's not from the mind of a person, but it, a lot of links golf and, and certainly golf that we like to build is, is based on match play, right? And so it's one of those things where, you know, if, if the match is going to get to 18 – you've got to play some good golf. And so 17 is really a great test for that. And then once you get to 18, it's almost, all right, all bets are off. Go at it. You know, you decide how you want to play this. There are opportunities to make two, there's opportunities to make three, four or five, unless you have know, hit it out of bounds, there's a chance to make six, but you know, most people are not, but it's, it's, it's a, the mindset Jim and I, like we talk an awful lot about, it. and I know again, nobody thought this through, but it's yeah. just the way it, it evolved is that it's nice to finish a round of golf and a, and a match on with positive stuff happening with somebody winning with a birdie or an Eagle versus somebody just hanging on, you know, slogging their way to a, to a bogey, you know, and it it ties another bogey and you're one up and you win. So I think it's one of those things where it, it has turned into that. And, and like we talked starting this whole thing off, I mean, what a theater right you've got the town you've got all the people and you, you know when you have the open championship you've got the grandstands and you've got this just this enclosed amphitheater in the home of golf and, you know the I, I mean i get chills just thinking about you know when you walk i can't imagine what it would be like to walk up that you know cross that bridge and with all that history and tradition and just the setting is unlike anything you know i mean if you were a movie producer, that's like the stage set you'd like to construct for for a championship, because you've got just the the boundaries are, are wonderful, the history is there, the the architecture, the edifices of all the structures, they're all so familiar to us. As you you know, you see that, and and it's just it really is a special special way to finish, and and to have all of that compounding what is a fairly sim- simple slash easy looking golf hole. I mean, that's got to also play into it is that, that you're know, corralling your nerves and corralling your, your emotions as you're, you're playing. That, that's pretty pretty simple, easy shot, or an easy hole. All
0: right, let me, uh, let me get you out of here. Five questions about the old course. The best bunker on the old course for you is, is which one?
1: My favorite name is Mrs. Kruger. Uh, I don't know who she was. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. Um, you know, I always, I I love the beardies. I think the beardies, I know it's not one bunker, but I think that that, that's such a beautiful little minefield of bunkers there.
0: All right. Uh, the best, what, what do you, and again, this is you, um, the best second shot on the old course, where would you find it?
1: I love the second shot into four with that mound in front of the green and just Mm. all the things do and just have where you are on the golf course and you know the angle that you're playing into it and um, having to negotiate it, you know, you, you, all the things that can happen. It can shed balls in every different direction if you land on it or the backside of it's shooting you through the back of the green. If you land into the front of it, it's just so perfectly placed yet so incredibly natural.
0: All right. Uh, the, the best green complex on the golf course, is which one?
1: I really like two and sixteen. I think all the the contour on two, and then how it continues to plateau and move over, and then the way sixteen kind of wraps around the front of that bunker, and you know, as obviously we talked about the strategy of sixteen. I, I think the contour and the, yeah, the the way they transition from one side to the other—that's probably my favorite. Um, I think five and 13 is just, my God, how, I mean, it couldn't be more, anything more impressive than the scale on the size of, of, of those two combined.
0: All right. Uh, the best view on the old course.
1: Boy, that's, a, that's a, that's a great one. It's gotta be coming looking back into town, but I'm trying to think where you get up high enough that maybe, maybe from 14, from the end of the Elysian fields, kind of looking down into hell and, and across and then all the way back into the town. I think that's a really spectacular spot. I tell
0: you, mine 12T. Yeah. When you stand sure. on 12T, considering what's behind you, um, and then it, it's the first time you you really are, you're, you're turning back toward, toward what's in front of you. Um, and there's and there's enough elevation that I don't know. There there's something about just how grand that that particular spot is. That's that's my favorite yeah
1: that's a great one. That's a really good one.
0: All right, the best place couldn't be could be a bar, could be a restaurant, could be a bookstore. <laughs> What's the best place in town?
1: So when we were you know last century when we first started going to uh, <laughs> St. Andrews, there was uh, a bookstore right there on the Pillmore. Like, it was, Pilmore. It, it was quarto, quarto books. It's no longer there. And it was a great bookshop, and you could always find terrific golf books in there. And Graham Lenny, who I mentioned earlier, we would always go in and just scour, try and find these obscure golf books, and, and hopefully get a deal on them. So that was that was always my favorite place, uh, for, as from a store standpoint. Um, you know, this the last time we were there, uh, Tracy and Kaylee and I spent a lot of time walking, uh, and Tyler actually, and Leah were with us. We just around the university. Yeah. I didn't really spent a lot of time coming around, you know, over by the harbor and, and that part of um it's beautiful. I mean it's really beautiful. The old buildings are incredible in that part. And, and obviously, you know, paying homage to to old Tom and young Tom and mm-hmm. Robertson. And that's that's a special experience that hopefully people will, will take advantage of doing. But yeah, the old Quarto bookshop. That was that was a special place. And did
0: you know that it's not there anymore? Do you yeah, know no, for it's, it's not it's gone. A, it,
1: it's gone. It's a golf shop. It's one of the golf shops along. I don't, I don't know if Dr. Lonnie's expanded into it or it's, yeah, but yeah, it was a, it was a cool spot. I mean, it's literally, it was right there around the corner for, you know, you could walk out the door and the R clubhouse is pretty much right there.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, listen, um, always value the time. Uh, these, these are special weeks. I know you'll enjoy it, even though you you got a lot on your plate uh, and I'll look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Thanks. Always enjoy the conversation.
0: Well, I really appreciate Gil taking the time. You know, usually he does his show with whoever, as I said, but I said, you know, let me, let me do this one with you because I love talking about it. More importantly, I love hearing his thoughts about where the last men's major of the year is at the most special place, the old course. So for all of us here at Five Clubs Golf, enjoy the Open Championship. We appreciate you taking the time to watch and listen to this conversation. We'll see you next week.